Steve Scully, the political editor of C-SPAN and the man who was supposed to moderate the second presidential debate was caught chatting with a very anti-Trump voice over the weekend on Twitter. He was tweeting with Anthony Scaramucci. He thought this was supposed to be private. He sent out this tweet. He said, Scaramucci, should I respond to Trump? Now, this was clearly intended to be a private message, and yet it went out publicly. The way that Twitter used to work, uh, it was a little confusing how to do each of those things. Now, obviously, they're, they're uh, much different. So what does Scully say? He says he was hacked. This is the line. Steve Scully notified us that his Twitter account was hacked, according to the Commission on Presidential Debates. CPD, the Commission on Presidential Debates, reported the apparent hack to the FBI and Twitter, and we understand the federal authorities are looking into the issue. There is a hack here, all right. There are hacks all around us, as a matter of fact. And one thing they have in common is all these hacks are trying to take down Donald Trump. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from last Thursday was Brandon. Brandon, who said, I suppose this is with regard to that video of Chris Rock and Mark Ruffalo and all of these other celebrities getting naked and telling you to vote for Biden. He says, this is not what I meant when I said to expose the liberals. Fair enough. (laughs) Absolutely fair enough. Scaramucci himself tried to bail out Mr. Scully. He said, I accept Steve Scully at his word. Let's not cancel any more people from our culture for absolutely something like this. It's insignificant. He's an objective journalist, but he's not an objective journalist. (laughs) He is actually a former Joe Biden employee. Steve Scully worked for Joe Biden as an intern. He then worked for Ted Kennedy. He's a liberal. He's a left winger. And now he, I guess he's been a journalist for some time, but so many of these journalists are very far on the left. And that's just the way it is. The committee on debates wants a virtual debate now because President Trump had coronavirus, however long ago. And uh, President Trump is saying no way to this. He cannot do a virtual debate. A virtual debate gives the left all of the power, gives them everything, allows them to mute him, allows them to cut his feed. And so he, he absolutely cannot do that. Bob Dole, Bob Dole, who was the Republican presidential nominee in 1996, he was the first candidate that I ever supported in my first grade classroom. I was campaigning for Bob Dole. All I knew about the race was that Bob Dole was a war hero and Bill Clinton was a draft dodger. I begged my mother who wanted to vote for Clinton. I begged her to vote for Bob Dole, and she finally relented. She thought it was so funny that this six-year-old young Republican was begging her to vote for Bob Dole. She let me into the voting booth. I pulled the lever for Bob Dole. I guess that might have violated some kind of rule, wasn't it? I was six years old and pulling the lever. In any case, lots of hacks trying to rig up this election, including the Commission on Presidential Debates. Bob Dole said he knows all the Republicans on the committee, and none of them support Trump. Even the Republicans don't support Trump, right? This is, this is not really a bipartisan commission. There are squishy liberal Republicans and there are liberal Democrats, but there's no, nobody on the Trump side of things. And this is why whatever you think of Trump, I'm not trying to say that Trump is the greatest politician ever to live and he's the most conservative guy. That's not quite what I'm saying. I'm just pointing out that it's at this point, basically Trump against the world. Whatever you think of Trump, Trump is not a hack. Trump is saying something that is different, that is breaking the two-party consensus that, that makes it seem like there are two parties, but really they both support 
open borders. They both support wide, widespread immigration. They both support free trade regimes that give away a lot of our national sovereignty, right? They both support those. They both support the rise of China. And, and Trump has come in and changed that up a little bit. So whatever you think of the guy, he's not a hack. He's, in some ways, he's an agent of chaos. Whereas there are plenty of squishy Republicans and then the entire Democratic establishment, those are hacks. I mean, those are people who are going to tell you things that are brazen lies. And they're going to tell it to you with just absolute cynicism because they don't respect you, the voter. They don't, voters of any stripes. A great example of this is this court packing issue. Joe Biden has been dodging this issue. And a lot of left-wingers have openly said, we are going to pack the Supreme Court. We're going to add justices to the Supreme Court and stack it with Democrats so we can get our way. And Joe Biden hasn't answered on that question. So the the other day he was asked it again, and he said, not only is he not going to answer, but the voters don't deserve an answer. Sir, I've got to ask you about packing the courts. And I know that you said yesterday you aren't going to answer the question until after the election. But this is the number one thing that I've been asked about from viewers uh, in the past couple of days. Well, you've been asked by the viewers who are probably Republicans who don't want me continuing to talk about what they're doing to the court right now. Well, sir, don't the voters deserve to know? No, they don't. I'm not going to play his game. They don't deserve to know. Shoot. I wasn't supposed to say that part out loud. I mean, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to play Trump's game. What is Trump's game? Trump's game is when even some of the mainstream media are asking you, what you're going to do about an extraordinarily consequential issue, something that hasn't been tried in a hundred years, little under a hundred years since FDR tried to pack the court and that was shot down by public opinion. It was shot down by Congress. No, I'm not going to play Trump's game. It's not Trump's game. Are you going to pack the court? Are you going to try to grab an incredible amount of power from the other branch of government? by stacking your partisans into that branch of government so that they more easily acquiesce to what you want to do? It's an important question. Biden won't give an answer. He's been, he's been refusing to give an answer on this now for a month. So because Biden's answer is insufficient, because even some of the mainstream media are trying to get an answer out of this, the Democrats have a new plan, which is something that they have done for decades now. This is how they have used political correctness as one of their most effective political tools. They're just redefining the term court packing. They're, they're, they're looking at this situation and realizing that it's not advantageous to them. So they're going to redefine the game. It's much like when you would go to an auto parts store in the brick and mortar, that's not working for you. So you have to redefine the game by going online, which you can do when you go to rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Does that make any sense? No. Go to rockauto.com. The catalog is unique and the best part of all, you know me. I don't know anything about cars. I don't know how to put the doodad on the gizmo machine or whatever. The rockauto.com catalog is so simple, even I can navigate it. You can quickly choose the parts available for your vehicle, choose the brand specifications, prices you prefer, reliably low prices, for the pros and for do-it-yourselfers, and for the do-it-yourselfers who then have pros come work on their car. That is what you get at rockauto.com. Go there right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck, and then, most importantly, write Knowles, Canada W-L-E-S, in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know that we sent you. What's that address? rockauto.com. 
Democrats are now attempting with a straight face to redefine the phrase court packing. So court packing is when you, you've got the judiciary and then you add judges, you add seats to the judiciary. So right now, for instance, we have nine judges on the Supreme Court. Now, if Amy Barrett actually makes it to the court, then you've got a 6-3 conservative majority. Really, it's a 5-4 though, because John Roberts is a squish, but fine, call it 5-4-6-3. It's a conservative court. Well, if you add three Democrats to the court, now it's a 6-6 court, right? Because those three Democrats are going to be added under a Democratic administration. The Democrat judges tend to be much more partisan anyway. So you've got 6-6. What if you had five judges to the court? Gosh, that's pretty good. Now you've got a left-wing court. That's what court packing is. FDR tried to do it in 1937 because the Supreme Court kept striking down the unconstitutional parts of his New Deal program. And he tried to pack it and the public opinion was never for it. He could never convince the American people to do it. Congress never even took it up and it fizzled out and died. Well, now the left is trying to revive it. Dick Durbin, second most powerful Democrat in the Senate, goes on Chuck Todd's show on NBC and insists that actually... It's Republicans who have been packing the court. I can tell you that uh, we're getting this question. It's a common question being asked because American people have watched the Republicans pack in the court over the last three and a half years, and they brag about it. They've taken every vacancy and filled it. Did you know that they've sent us, and we have approved only with their votes, I might add, uh, 10 people who have been, been judged unanimously unqualified by the American Bar Association? Do you know how many judicial nominees came from Obama who were judged unanimously unqualified? None. So we are dealing with people on the court, packed into the court with little or no qualification, uh, who are going to be there for a long time. So it's understandable. The Republicans raised the issue of court packing. Did I mention, Chuck, it's Republicans who are court packing? No, it isn't. Of course it isn't. There is obviously a difference between adding judges to a court so that increasing the number of the judges so that you can stack it with your partisans and filling the open judge seats as is not only your constitutional right, but the constitutional requirement. When there are nine seats on a court and a judge dies and then you fill it as the constitution tells you to, that's obviously very different than completely rewriting the judiciary, adding seats so that you can cram through your legislation that otherwise wouldn't get through. Obviously very different things, but Obviously, the talking point went out and Democrats are pursuing this. Hakeem Jeffries, who's the House Democrat Caucus chairman, tweets out, stop asking Dems about packing the court. We aren't doing it. They are, meaning Republicans, in order to take away our health care. They are packing the court. Governor Steve Bullock of Montana. I think he's of Montana, isn't he? Do you remember he ran for president for about five seconds? He said, four years ago, you said, no, we should never confirm a justice when people are voting. Let the people decide. And now that's the most important thing to you. You are packing the court right now. <laughs> okay. Sheldon Whitehouse, a senator from Rhode Island. He tweets out, it's time Democrats started looking behind the curtain of the Republican special interest court packing scheme. They've been at it for years. We've been asleep at the wheel. All of this reeks of a particularly sad kind of hackery is they're, they're, they clearly got together in a room and they said, gosh, guys, we can't keep evading the court packing question forever. We've been evading it now for over a month at least. What do we do? And, and one of them said, I know what we'll do. You know what we'll do? We'll, we'll say that it's them who's court packing. Like, nah, uh you, 
You know, like a, when you're in third grade and someone calls you something, you say, nah, you, <laughs> I am rubber and you are glue or something like that. That's what we're going to say about court packing. And their basis for this, here's their dastardly evidence that they dug up from one of Sean Hannity's shows. They put out there is when Mitch McConnell bragged about how he, as the Senate majority leader, was holding up some of Obama's judicial nominees. So I was shocked that uh, former President Obama left so many vacancies and didn't try to fill those positions. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I was in charge of the... of what we did the last two years of the Obama administration. I give, uh, and I will give you full credit for that. And by the way, take a bow. All right, that was a good life. Um, I'll tell you why, because I said to uh, say hello to my little friend. And then he leans down and just takes a big, big face full of that cocaine constitutionality. Constitutional cocaine Mitch said that as Senate Majority Leader, Barack Obama has the right to nominate the judges, and then I, as Senate Majority Leader, can take them up to advise and consent, and then either I consent or we reject, and then they go through. So this is a, the perfectly ordinary operation of government, especially when there's divided power, right? The, the voters sent Obama and the Democrats to the White House. They sent Mitch McConnell and the Republicans to run the Senate. And so there's going to be friction. That's the way the system is supposed to operate. Operating within that constitutional system and within the traditional norms of our republic is a very different thing than trying to subvert the judiciary itself by adding seats to the court. But Michael, the the constitution doesn't say how many judges need to be on the court. That's true. But the judges have been set for a very long time, well over a hundred years. Nobody has tried to change the number of judges since FDR, who failed at it because people didn't want it because they found it to be subversive of the Constitution. We've got a number here, and what Democrats are trying to do is throw a grenade in there because they can't win. This is what the left always does. The left is a stickler for the rules until the rules don't work for them, and then the rules don't matter. They completely undermine them. And Republicans and conservatives often get stuck in this bad position where we think that if we just play by the rules, if we try to use their own logic against them, then they'll come around and they'll see the light. They won't. They won't. And we, we just keep, we keep thinking, no, guys, you, we're, we're reasonable. We're willing to work for you. You said you were, for instance, this is a great example of this from the 60s and 70s. You said you were the free speech supporters. Remember you liberals? You led the free speech movement at Berkeley, but now you're opposing free speech. Isn't that hypocritical? They don't care. They don't care. The whole point of this was just to subvert the traditional standards. Wait a second, guys. You said that you support feminism. But now you support gender ideology, which undermines feminism. Isn't that hypocritical? They don't care. They don't care. They are just trying to subvert the traditional American standards. Whatever way they want to do that, whatever way is effective, they will do that. Wait a second, guys. You've been accusing Trump of exceeding the bounds of the Constitution, but now you're trying to do that on the... They they don't care. Stop. Stop trying to make the argument from hypocrisy. It, It doesn't bother them. There are a handful of liberals left who want to maintain the veneer, at least, of consistency and constitutionality. One of them is a guy who falls into political hackery a whole lot, Jake Tapper on CNN. We were were pointing out some of his hackery last week. But sometimes I think he still wants to view himself as the last honest man in the room, the journalist. He's a liberal maybe, but he's a straight shooting liberal. And, And so Jake Tapper called out 
this hackery about court packing at a Biden spokesman on CNN. She had no answer, but she didn't care. He said it's not constitutional what they're doing. How is it not constitutional what they're doing? His point is that the people have an opportunity to weigh in on this constitutional process through their vote. And we are now in the midst of the election. Millions of people have already cast their votes. And you see that the vast majority of people say that they want the person who wins the election on November 3rd to nominate the justice. That's a poll. That's not the Constitution. So by by trying to by trying to that's that is their their, there's the constitutional process of advising consent. The American people get to have their say by voting for president, by voting for senators. We are now 23 days from the election. But it's not unconstitutional. Millions of millions of votes, millions of votes. They're being voters are being denied their constitutional right to have a say in this process. They elected the Republicans are trying to ram through are trying to ram through a a nominee who, by the way, is going to change the makeup of the court. And we see time and time again, poll after poll shows that most Americans vehemently disagree with this. They believe that the vote should happen on November 3rd. That's not what the word constitutional means. So Jake Dapper, good on him because he's calling out this crazy BS. But this Biden spokesman, this woman, doesn't care. You see, she's, she's fairly unflappable. She just keeps talking. She goes, it's the court and the railroading and the change the makeup of the court. And she's just saying words. The words are not responding to the points that Jake Tapper is making. The words are not even making an argument. What the words amount to is, it is our interest to have a leftist judiciary. And so we're going to do that. And between these two styles here, Jake Tapper's sort of at least his pretense that the argument has to make sense, at least at a superficial level. And this Biden spokesman who says, it doesn't matter. We don't need to make any arguments. It's all about interest. Between those two visions of American politics, I think it's the latter that's winning right now. I don't think we're making particularly strong arguments or having particularly robust debate. Just look at the debate between President Trump and Joe Biden two weeks ago to see that. It's just people talking over one another. This is a consequence, if you want to trace it back all the way to the very, very beginning, this is a consequence of the left essentially denying objective reality. When when the left says, for instance, a man can be a woman or there's no such thing as the truth, there's just your truth and my truth, and you can't use your faculties of reason to have an opinion because you're a straight white male, you can't deny my lived experience, the left constantly pushing all of these hoaxes and, and division. The effect of that downstream is you can't have a debate. One side is going to say, but the constitution. And then the other side is going to say, okay, hey, I got your constitution right here. And that's what the election is coming down to. Now, perhaps we're still at a point in this country where there's a sliver sliver of people in the middle for whom coherent arguments matter. But I'm, I'm not convinced that we're there. Joe Biden certainly doesn't think that we're there. This is what I don't like about hackery. And look, we can go We can go and criticize any one thing that Trump has done any particular day or one policy that he's pushing. I'm happy to do it, and I've done it plenty of times. But on this issue of hackery, Trump ain't it. He he is like the opposite of a hack. He is saying things that that seem deeply unpopular, that require a fair amount of courage, that could have, and by all accounts, should have destroyed his political career many times, and he hasn't done it. You can't say the same for Joe Biden. Joe Biden now, now that the Democrats have tested out this court packing line, he himself has decided to adopt it. That following the Constitution 
and undermining the Constitution are actually the same thing. Look, the only court packing going on right now is going on with Republicans packing the court now. It's not constitutional what they're doing. We should be focused on what's happening right now. <laughs> and the fact is that the only packing going on is this court is being packed now by the Republicans after the vote has already begun. I'm going to stay focused on it so we don't take our eyes off the ball here. What they're doing is not constitutional? What do you mean it's not constitutional? They, this, the Constitution says the president shall nominate a judge and the Senate will advise and consent. That's exactly what they're doing. It's not, that's not even an op. It's not like, well, you have this option constitutionally. There's a, a requirement that the president nominate a judge and the judge is going through. But he's just saying words, right? That's not, it's not constitutional. It's just like during the debate when President Trump said law enforcement doesn't support Biden. He goes, that's not true, man. That's a lie. And, and Trump goes, okay, name one organization in law enforcement that supports you. Biden said, uh, uh, he didn't have an answer. He just said, he just goes, it's not constitutional. It's, it's wrong. It's come on, man. Come on, man. So now he's saying we're, we, the Democrats are going to add these judges to the court. Now, did you hear there was a cough in there? He goes, yeah, we, man, <coughs> there was a physical hacking up. There was a hacking up that happened. And it wasn't just when he was talking about the judges, he was giving another campaign event in Nevada and Biden had his mask on. He had the mask on for some reason, but it was below his nose. So it was not doing any, there was no scientific or medical argument for the way he was wearing the mask, but he had it on just as a, just as a political symbol. Cause that's all it is. The mask is the, the, the political yard sign of 2020. The way Joe Biden is wearing that mask offers absolutely no protection against the virus, either for himself or for other people. It's just there as a symbol of his view of politics that basically we should be led by bureaucrats and experts. But then it gets even better because not only is the mask down below his nose, but he has to cough. So what does he do when he has to cough? He pulls down the mask, coughs into his hand. Deal. Is there? <laughs> Pulls it right into his right hand. Then he puts the mask back up. He actually puts the mask up over his nose after he coughs all over his hand. He's probably going to go shake a lot of hands after that. More evidence, more evidence that the way that this virus is, is being treated is not primarily focused on science or medicine. It's focused on politics. Actually, now we can defer to the World Health Organization, which is, don't forget, a public health organization, meaning politics and health. Public means politics. So it's got a political aspect too. And obviously they've been infiltrated largely by China and they were carrying water for China and helping China cover up the, the illness early on. The World Health Organization though now is coming out pretty strongly against the primary method of combating this virus, namely the lockdowns. You, you have people at the World Health Organization coming out and saying, we need to not only focus on other treatments. We actively need to stop the lockdowns. The lockdowns are hurting everybody. We in the World Health Organization do not advocate lockdowns as a primary means of control of this virus. The only time we believe a lockdown is justified is to buy you time to reorganize, regroup, rebalance your resources, protect your health workers who are exhausted. But by and large, We'd rather not do it. Just look at what's happened to the tourism industry, for example, in the Caribbean or in the Pacific, because people aren't taking their holidays. Looks what's happened to smallholder farmers all over the world because their markets have got dented. 
Look what's happening to poverty levels. It seems that we may well have a doubling of world poverty by next year. We may well have at least a doubling of child malnutrition because children are not getting meals at school and their parents in poor families are not able to afford it. This is a terrible, ghastly global uh, catastrophe, actually. And so we really do appeal to all world leaders, stop using lockdown as your primary control method, develop better systems for doing it, work together and learn from each other. But remember, lockdowns just have one consequence that you must never, ever uh, belittle, and that is making poor people an awful lot poorer. That is Dr. David Navarro from the World Health Organization. You probably won't see that video or hear that statement very much around social media because now the social media are clamping down on what they say is misinformation, but it has nothing to do with the misinformation or the accurate information about the virus. It has everything to do with politics, and this is only going to get worse through the election. The reason that we still have lockdowns today is because of politics. You can look at where the lockdowns are. It always tracks with people's politics. The places that the lockdowns exist uh, aren't doing particularly well on the coronavirus. You look at the, the one of the toughest lockdowns in the entire country was in New York. New York got hit worse than anybody. And the lockdowns didn't seem to help. Actually, in some cases, the lockdowns hurt. There are studies that show that by, this happened in Italy and in New York, by the way, that by locking people inside, particularly with elderly family members, you actually were putting them in a more dangerous position than you otherwise would have seen. We saw, we saw this with the nursing homes in New York. In New York, Governor Cuomo's policies forced people who, and sent people who were sick with the virus into nursing homes. And guess what happened there? Thousands and thousands of senior citizens died. We won't be able, by the way, to have a, a full picture of what happened because Cuomo is using his political apparatus to shut down any additional studies of what happened. That's what we're seeing. I mean, if you, if you log onto social media now, it is unbearable because first of all, every time you log on, they say, did you vote? Did you register to vote? But I, I'm here, if I'm on Instagram, I'm here to see like funny pictures. If I'm on Twitter, I'm here to see mean little sardonic comments. I'm not there because I need a civic education. If you're getting your civics education from Instagram, uh, probably something has gone deeply wrong in our society. But they want to do that because they know that those users are more likely to vote for Democrats. And so they're trying to get you to go out there and support their candidates. And they're trying to suppress information that counters the Democratic narrative, whether it be on widespread unsolicited mail-in voting, which is unprecedented in our country and obviously shows signs of being open to fraud. We've seen this recently in New Jersey. We've seen this in New York. We've seen this in Texas. So you've got uh, you've got those issues, and then you've obviously got coronavirus. Any, any comments that are contrary to the democratic narrative, even if it comes from the World Health Organization, even if it comes from the CDC's website, will be suppressed, which is what's happening right now. There was a funny bit of suppression that just went on with uh, President Trump. He's being censored again, explicitly censored by Twitter because he was describing his experience of the virus. But it's very difficult because if the Democrats and the left want to defer to experts on the virus, Donald Trump is now one of the leading national experts on coronavirus. Why is that? Because he had it. Uh, now, I'm not saying you always have to trust, trust the experts, but sometimes we should take into account 
expertise, like for instance, expertise on how to protect your identity online, which you can do over at LifeLock. Very important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. Every day, we put our information at risk on the internet. You could miss certain identity threats by just monitoring your credit. Luckily though, there's LifeLock. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats, including your social security number for sale on the dark web, which can be a huge issue. And the, the way we open ourselves up to that is, for instance, and I've, I've done this myself, so I totally admit it, when you use the same password for a lot of different things. That's now, now, that I, you know, now I know, so that's a very bad idea, but a lot of people do it. That can lead to your information being stolen, and it can go out there on the dark web where very bad people can misuse it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can find out if your information is on the dark web. You can do it very easily, and my gift to you, you can do it for free. Get a free dark web scan at lifelock.com scan, S-C-A-N. Pick the plan that's right for you. Save up to 25% off your first year with promo code Knowles. So I'll make it simple. You get a free scan at lifelock.com scan. Then you get 25% off with promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Also, by the way, guys, it's baseball season. The, uh, the old glory Daily Wire baseball bat is back. This is our limited edition handcrafted custom painted baseball bat emblazoned with the Daily Wire logo. We first put this bat out uh, as a numbered edition a few months ago. It sold out in 48 hours and that was when it was available only to all access members. Now anybody can purchase. Uh, inventory, however, is still very limited. So get yours before they're gone. You text the keyword baseball, B-A-S-E-B-A-L-L. You probably know how to spell baseball. Text that to 83400. 83400 text baseball to purchase your bat today and by the way go on over we appreciate you all subscribing to the Michael Knowles show YouTube channel it's great we've got an interview up with the man the myth the legend Gad Sad head on over uh, we'll be right back with a whole lot more You know, I'm pretty tough on the experts. I don't think that we should just be governed by a bunch of experts in white lab coats who aren't particularly educated, aren't particularly wise, and don't govern our country particularly well. However, I might make an exception to my expert rule when it coincides with constitutional government because our duly elected president, Donald Trump, now happens to be one of the nation's foremost experts on coronavirus. Just by definition, he had coronavirus. He knows more about coronavirus than most scientists in the country. And President Trump is flaunting his expertise. He, he tweeted out over the weekend, quote, a total and complete sign off from White House doctors yesterday. That means I can't get it immune and can't give it. Very nice to know. Three exclamation points. That, that is very nice to know. Twitter censored that. And he said, so you see just a big warning over the tweet. And then you've got to click through if you want to try to read it. I say this tweet violated the Twitter rules about spreading misleading and potentially harmful information related to COVID-19. However, Twitter has determined that it may be in the public's interest for the tweet to remain accessible. Is that so, Twitter? Is that so? So now the misleading information, you've, you're going to put that censorship on. By the way, the information about COVID is changing, it seems, every single day. I'll give you an example of that. I'll give you a great example. The Surgeon General of the United States tweeted out a number of months ago, Stop buying masks, people. Do not buy the masks. The masks don't work against coronavirus. Stop buying the masks. That tweet's still up. Why is that tweet up? Why is that tweet not being censored? That was misleading information, wasn't it? Or no, maybe it was just useful and convenient information that worked for your narrative at the time. But now it doesn't really matter because we've moved on. Eric Swalwell, 
the former future president. He is me and, and I am him. And we are all him, Eric Swalwell. That was his campaign motto. He said, stop buying the masks. The masks don't work. Why is that tweet? Isn't that misleading information? Well, I don't know. Maybe that'll be correct information again when they change their mind on it. I don't know. Dr. Fauci said, don't wear the masks. That, so that was misleading information, right? Because we're now told you have to wear the masks. The masks are going to protect us. So why isn't that all being, why is it, why is it that it's just conservatives who get censored? Almost exclusively. Why is it that it's this president in particular, just days away from a presidential election, who gets censored for saying, sure, he, I guess he said, I can't get it anymore. I wonder, I suspect that if I were a gambling man, I'd say President Trump probably isn't going to get coronavirus again in the near future. Just my, just my hunch. And he can't give it. Uh, the doctors are saying he's, he's not giving out the virus, right? The doctors are saying that right now. They've okayed him to go to a debate. So that part is true, at least according to his doctors. Maybe Twitter is disputing the doctors. So Twitter is a better expert now on coronavirus than the White House doctors. Twitter is a better expert than Trump himself who had the virus. I don't think so, Buster. I think this is just political censorship. That's what I think it is. I think this is just the left establishing its own set of standards and then enforcing it as it wills to benefit the left. And conservatives are still playing this game where we're trying to point out hypocrisy. We're trying to, trying to play by a universal standard. The left's not playing that game. That's not the game they're playing. They're playing a game of interest. I'll, I'll give you a great example of censorship. A true, this is Orwellian. I know that word gets overused, but this is Orwellian. Right now, if you go to Yelp.com, what do you use it for? You're in a new area. You say, I want, uh, I don't know, I want Chinese food tonight. Let's look up Chinese food. Then you look on Yelp and you have different reviews and you can see which has the best Chinese food. Now there's a new feature on Yelp, which is you'll see, you know, sometimes it'll say four stars. It'll maybe say $3 signs, no expensive it is. Now you can see a little exclamation point in red. That is to let you know that the business has been accused of racist behavior. Racist behavior. What, what does that mean? What, what you will see is a little pop-up and it says, recently someone associated with this business was accused of racist behavior, resulting in an influx of people posting views to this page. Racism is reprehensible and has no place on Yelp. And we unequivocally reject racism in any form. Wow, how brave. Unlike all those people who totally support racism, right? You know, racism, that, that pervasive thing that's totally real, not just a boogeyman and a straw man that the left uses that the demagogues on the left use to shut down anybody who disagrees with them. It's like that whole thing. Do you condemn white supremacy? Who support, who, who embraces white supremacy? Do you know anybody who says, yeah, I'm, I love white supremacy. I'm a huge white supremacist. No, it's a phantom issue. When people say black lives matter, I'm bravely, courageously saying black lives matter. How many people do you know who say, yeah, black lives, man, they don't matter. I hate those lives. None. No, nobody. Everybody thinks black lives matter. Nobody disagrees with the statement, black lives matter. But a lot of people believe that a lot of other people who are not as virtuous and wonderful as themselves, that a lot of other nefarious people, they, they all say black lives don't matter. Same thing with racism. Nobody in this country, maybe a handful of people would call themselves racists, but they think a whole lot of other people are racist. While we understand the desire to warn others about racist behavior, about a business, all reviews on Yelp must reflect an actual first-hand customer experience. So we've temporarily disabled the ability to post here as we work to investigate the content. If you, you're here to leave a review based on a first-hand experience, please check back at a later date. So what they're saying here is they're trying to, I guess, be helpful. 
Uh, if we were to give them the benefit of the doubt, it's to be helpful, right? Because they're saying, basically, there's some incident at a place, and they say it's racism. Often, by the way, these are hoaxes. This happened very famously uh, outside of uh, Oberlin University. There was a, a restaurant that was accused of racism, and they had to shut down. But it was a total hoax. Uh, so that happens, and then people flood it who don't know. And they say, you're a racist, you're a racist, whatever. So they're saying, okay, we're going to stop that. You're not allowed to do that. But the way they're going to stop it is by putting a big sign that says, accused of racist behavior. Define racist behavior for me. I'll give you an example. Uber Eats, during the George Floyd riots, Uber Eats decided that they were going to waive the delivery fee for black-owned businesses, whatever that means. I mean, what, what, define a black-owned business for me. What if a black guy owns a quarter of the business? But he does, is that a black-owned business, or do you only get to waive a quarter of the delivery fee? Whatever. So they say, we're going to waive delivery fees for black-owned businesses. We're going to charge delivery fees for white-owned businesses. So you're, you're, you're penalizing people on the basis of their race. Right? You're just saying, we're going to charge more money. We're going to make it harder for your business to operate if, you're, if you have one race, but not if you're of another race which is the definition of racism. So is Uber Eats going to get a racism warning on Yelp? Probably not. Probably not. What about uh, businesses who buy into the BLM lie that all white people are racist because we live in a white supremacist country? That's a racist statement. Are those people with the big BLM sign, are they going to get the... No, they're not. They're not. It's just, it's just a way of signaling which are the officially approved businesses by the liberal establishment, and which are not, which are verboten, and you're not allowed to go there. There are, there are parallels to other tyrannical sort of political regimes here, and you see it creeping slowly, and you kind of see how, how this kind of mad, cultural madness can take over, but that is where we're headed. There's, an, there's a great irony. There's a real t- talk about an irony. Maybe the most racist, anti-black racist business in the history of the United States is, do you know, Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood, which exists in no small part to kill black babies and to shrink the black population, or at least keep it from expanding too much. The founder of Planned Parenthood wrote in these terms explicitly, Margaret Sanger. She even, at one point, she says, she, she sort of plays this off as a bit of a joke or a bit of irony, but I think there's a lot of truth to this irony. She says, we don't want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. But even if you say, oh, she was just, she was being ironic in that statement. Read Woman in the New Race. Read her writings on eugenics. She clearly thought there were undesirable populations and through abortion and through family planning, she wanted to shrink those populations. It's a lot worse than any business or bakery or whatever ever did, right? If you actually go out and you say, my plan is to go into black neighborhoods, set up shop here, and kill all the black babies. That's my business model. That's my actual pitch. Planned Parenthood is being accused of racism by, through an internal audit here. Uh, BuzzFeed News obtained this. They show that they're accused of internal racism, race-based discrimination, acts of anti-blackness, whatever that, I have no idea what that means, but if it's going to hit Planned Parenthood, fine by me. Fine, but I'm not going to defend Planned Parenthood. I'm not going to stand in the way. There are, uh, there was this study which was commissioned by Planned Parenthood, involves a dozen social justice oriented organizations. Uh, This interviewed 80 current and former black Planned Parenthood employees and say that the organization's black employees feel that Planned Parenthood's treatment of them internally does not line up with its social justice driven mission. Of course, if if Planned Parenthood is mistreating black people, it lines up perfectly with their social justice, which actually means injustice-driven organization because the organization exists in no small part to kill black people. 
Do you think Planned Parenthood is going to get the racism warning on Yelp? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. This is pure hackery. This is pure cynicism. I'm not saying that people can't be partisan and give more leniency to their own side. I think that's not only to be expected in politics, but I think it's actually a positively good thing. We ought to have some loyalty. We are fighting for real things. We are not merely umpires uh, who care merely about procedure. We want to affect our vision of the good in, in society. But you have to acknowledge the truth. You have to be willing to say, mm, I'd, I'll, I'll give you an example of this. D Donald Trump passed that get out of jail free bill, you know, the First Step Act, the one that uh, goes light on crime. I, th I thought that was a bad idea. And I said it was a bad idea. I still support Trump. I'm still going to vote for him, but I think it's a dumb idea and I don't think we should support it. Same thing with uh, now that now Trump is going after Biden as a racist because Biden was tough on crime in the 90s for a little bit. I think that's a bad idea. I'm not, I'm not willing to go on board with that. There's a difference between being a partisan and being an outright hack. Now on the left, we're seeing outright hacks and we're seeing them at the highest levels of the New York Times and the Washington Post and the, obviously the Biden campaign. Sure, the campaigns are like that. We're seeing it at the elected level. We're seeing that now in big tech, outright hacks. This is not a good situation. The Washington Post has nothing on Judge Amy Coney Barrett. We're getting the, the Barrett confirmation hearings this week, so stay tuned for that. That's going to be quite a ride. The Washington Post now has no, no way to go after her, not on her record, not on her career, not on her. They're trying to go after her faith. That's not working very well. So what are they doing? They're going after her kids. Beth Reinhardt at the Washington Post says, two students and a teacher at a school attended by SCOTUS nominee Amy Coney Barrett's kids test positive for coronavirus two weeks after a super spreader White House event for ACB. Parents are freaked out, though no proven link. That's what passes for journalism now. I love at the end, go, no, no proven link. Oh, so you're just spreading baseless rumors because a couple students and a teacher at a school that the judicial nominee's kids go to got the virus that has already infected 10% of the world population, according to the WHO. It's so contagious that we shut down the global economy. It's affected 10% of earth already in just nine months of existence. But you're saying, yeah, but I don't know, maybe it was her kids or something. And I don't know what that means, but she's bad, huh? She's really bad. Why are they doing this? Because there is no popular support for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. There's no popular support. Some people might vote for them because I guess we have to, you know, it's there. We're, we're Democrats and he's the Democrat, so we have to. But no one is saying that they're enthusiastic about this. Biden and Kamala Harris came to campaign together for the first time on the campaign trail. Isn't that amazing? It's already October and it's the first time they're campaigning together. And there was a, a local news affiliate, a local reporter there in Arizona who said, okay, I'm here with Biden and Harris. Nobody showed up to the campaign event. There's really not much to see. Um, I'll step out of the way, but it's kind of boring out here. So it's not your typical campaign, presidential campaign event. We don't see people rallying outside. We don't see um, signs or really much of what's going on. And I'm told by one of the Biden staffers, local staffers, is that they uh, kind of kept the details about the visit as far as the timing and the exact locations. And pretty much all uh, the people that we saw enter into the parking lot about 45 minutes ago were 
with uh, the Biden-Harris campaign and the uh, pool reporters. So you would expect to see, I mean, it, it, this is a pretty big event for um, the two of them to be campaigning together for the first time since the Democratic National Convention here in Arizona. We've established, our, our state has established itself as a battleground state. And so this is technically a big event, but not a lot of fanfare. Not a lot of fanfare because nobody cares about these people. And so what has to happen? The liberal establishment, which controls every institution just about, is going to have to do everything they can to put the thumb on the scale for Biden and Harris. They're going to do that in big tech with bogus censorship. They're going to do that in the mainstream media. Obviously, they were doing it already, but they've, they've turned it up to 11. They're going to try to do that as a matter of the bureaucracy and, and how our political process plays out. They're going to do this in the presidential debates. We have a bipartisan commission. BS. We only have left-wing moderators. We've only ever had left-wing moderators at these presidential debates. And now the moderator from, for this next debate, which is mercifully canceled, is a former Biden employee who was seen talking to this, this anti-Trump person, Scaramucci, who got fired by Trump and now he's really upset. So and is, by the way, he could have just said, yeah, I was talking to anti-Trump people. I was talking to pro-Trump people too, to get a sense of the debate, but he couldn't do that because he's not talking to pro-Trump people. He's only talking to anti-Trump people. What does he say? He uses that age old excuse. I was hacked. I was hacked. We've all been hacked. There are a lot of hacks going around. The hackery is only going to keep up through November. And what I would, what I would suggest in the meantime is regardless of the partisanship, if you can find a, a somewhat straight shooter on the left, good luck. But if you can find it, fine, listen to that. If you find them on the right, listen, listen to the ones on the right, but don't listen to the hacks. I mean, the ha hacks of both sides are going to wreck this political process because we're not even talking about logic then. We're not even talking about having a, a real conversation, a real robust debate over serious issues. And there are serious issues at stake. All they're going to be saying is words, 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 hot air coming out of their mouths, redefining words into nothingness. Hacks all around. Let's hope that they don't end up uh, hacking this election and, and taking that, that a, a bad political situation and totally turning it into rubble. We've still, <laughs> we've still got a fighting chance, but the, the, the deck is stacked against us. That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant Director, Pavel Wadowski. Editor and Associate Producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio Mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and Makeup, Nika Geneva. And Production Assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith, those are fundamental, and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen.